Here, we're queer. Get into it. I'm James O'Hagan, and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the national LGBT support service. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT Ireland's helpline volunteers are here to listen seven days a week on 1800 99 539. Coming up on today's show in our Rainbow Roundup, Podrick and I will fill you in on the most noteworthy LGBTQI plus news stories from the week gone by. Following this month's Netflix release of Irish documentary How to Tell a Secret, a moving and experimental portrayal of living with HIV in Ireland, and the many ways to people approach HIV disclosure, we're joined by co-director of the documentary Sean Dunn to reflect on the reaction to and impact of the film since its original release in 2022 and we're chatting to the jolly and joyful Mistaken and Miss Roots who are hosting a fabulous festive evening of trivia and queer cheer the big gay Christmas quiz at the Bernard Shaw on Dublin 9 on December 15th to raise much needed funds for LGBT Ireland and in reeling in the queers we're heading back to the year that Ugg Boots ruled the world the L word debuted to prove that lesbian and bisexual women could be every bit as melodramatic and outrageous as gay men and this little music reality competition first hit our screens Honestly, a banger. But before we get to any of that, he is the bauble to my Christmas tree, Podrick Wilson McCartney. Can you handle it? <laughs> the jingle to your bell. <laughs> I love that. I thought you were going to say the Sharon to my Louis. <laughs> I mean, now that would have been perfect. Yeah, I know. What a link. How are you, my love? I, I gave myself a bit of an ick now this morning, I have to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to share like, it with I'm you. afraid when you say these things to me, because I know I'm going to get the ick off you. Well, look here. This will, I mean, if I can get the ick off myself, I mean, to be fair, you're trapped into this. I deserve it. We, 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 have, we have ironclad contracts. You can't go anywhere. But no, I was, I was getting myself a coffee this morning as I was on my way into work. And there was like a whole sort of kerfuffle going on. And they were obviously changing the, they were going to be changing over the coffee machine. Mm. Uh, and the man was making, and like they were literally, they bought the new machine there. And someone was like taking it all apart. And I was getting the coffee that was going to be the last coffee that this machine was ever going to make and so I the, the guy was sort of you know handing it over to me and I was like oh it's just going to be the last coffee this machine makes before it retires and then I said oh and patted it and I I swear to God as it was it was like an outer body experience the shame I felt and everyone looked at me and they were like yeah you just did that did you yeah you just did that God no Please don't. I, to be honest now, right, don't ever go into that coffee shop again. <laughs> no, Centra. Centra on Dame Street. You're, you're done for me. Not a Centra. No, fr- frank and honest with me. Be frank and honest with me. Tell me to get out. I'm going to be frank and honest. Don't ever go in there again. Don't ever go in there again. Don't worry. What about you? Tell me. I've had it. Look, isn't City season in full swing? It is. Absolutely. It's, it's it is in, fully getting into it's it. It's fully getting into it. And I don't mind it too much, but I'd say by the end of next week now, we'll be all burnt out. Oh, that's it. Well, look, and then we can just hope that over the actual Christmas period, we get to just recoup a little bit. To- like, it's mass hysteria out there. I went into town the other day shopping and I was like, I walked into town and I walked back out again. I was like, I can't do this. But and just like we've walked into I, to my, just like I walked into that coffee yeah. shop this morning and I, wa- I should have walked right back out of it because I can't <laughs> yeah, handle it. I should have known better. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? It's December and what harm? Exactly. Sure, look, what else would we do in yeah. our lives? At least you've got an excuse to be silly now, James. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get on with the news. <laughs> yeah, okay. Of course, Rainbow Roundup, the queer news that cauterized this week, and I'm kicking it off. 
down in the Rebel County, would you believe? It wouldn't be like me now, would it? No, to not bring at it all, back to home. be bringing it all the way back down to Cork. A Cork woman is set to go down in LGBT plus history as the Republic of Ireland's first out transgender candidate to contest the local elections. Have you heard the story? Saoirse Mackin, we're very Saoirse proud. Mackin. We're very proud. It's an amazing, a lovely, uplifting story. Saoirse Mackin, of course, is her name and she's been selected by the Social Democrats to run in Cork City Northwest in the 2024 local elections. Now, if you know Saoirse at all, uh, you'll be aware that she's, you know, an ex- ex- for a long time activist. Long time activist. Extensive activism to end the stigma around tra- uh, tra- trans people in Ireland, basically. You yeah. know, she um, co-founded Trans Plus Pride in, in Cork in 2022, uh, which uh, was set up to lobby for better healthcare for services for the LGBT, commu- to, uh, the LGBT community. Sorry, And Saoirse is also very vocal about the need for better healthcare for trans people, especially accessing hormone treatment. Yes. So she's a wonderful activist. She's no, she a fantastic is. person. And for her to even get this far... You know, as no. a trans person is wonderful. And no, wouldn't it brilliant. be in Cork? Wouldn't Absolutely. it just be look, in Cork? Look, leading the charge. Always leading the charge. But no, I do think it's really fantastic to see this. And I think, like, hopefully within the 2024 uh, local elections and obviously the general election as well, we'll see a greater amount of diversity among mm. the people who are running. It, it has been great to see kind of greater gender equality. I think having more trans people, more queer people, more migrant people, more people from the traveller community. Yeah. Like, it will better represent who we are as a culture. And, and it's, I about, think, it's about time that there's more, more representation. Absolutely. And what I think is wonderful about about Sarah because reading through like her platforms she has like actual policies to try and make the life of people in Cork better she's not mm. running as a single issue candidate no. she's not running specifically around the trans issue 100%. obviously this is something important that she understands but I think it's, it's fantastic and wish her luck we wish her totally. luck totally and I think what she's doing is so incredibly brave because what by putting herself in the public eye and running for election she's opening herself to a lot of I yeah. suppose backlash yeah. and I think what you say is very important because knowing the area knowing her um, she is, is not just a one trick pony yeah, exactly. It isn't. It, it, for them, it's it's about it's about for way more than that. It's about the whole of the north. It's North-east. about the cycling infrastructure from exactly. the northeast to Cork City. Exa- exactly. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so good for her, and the very best of luck to her in that. Um, moving from there over to Russia. Okay, not such positive news, unfortunately. And. Look, whenever we bring up Russia, it doesn't tend to be good no, news it here, right? It doesn't. Um, Russia's Supreme Court has moved to classify the inter- international LGBT social movement, as they call it, as an extremist organisation in the latest global move against LGBTQ plus inclusivity. So last Thursday, there was a ruling mm-hmm. which now criminalises not just any activists working to advance human rights for queer individuals, but c- could also enable prosecutors to target anyone at all who supports LGBTQ plus people. I was I was reading about this and I think that like what what's really I, I suppose would uh, shake you to your core as a queer person is that obviously the the propaganda law was brought in a couple of years ago mm. which kind of really prevented people from speaking openly about um sort of queerness within public right sort of normalizing LGBTQ identities but the day after literally the day after this ruling by the Supreme Court police were raiding clubs mm. and saunas yeah. in St. Petersburg and Moscow it's happening already and they were just waiting for the excuse exactly and like so they they the police raided these clubs and saunas on the pretense of looking for drugs but when they were in there they started photographing people's ID and that IDs and kind of getting a registration list of people who were there and that brings you back to kind of when you hear about the stories of what was happening in the the, the gay bars in the, the 60s and totally. the 50s in, in America where people 
people were fight like where people then were being blackmailed by by members of the, the the police and so it's restricting visibility and ensuring that people are going to feel more anxious about being visible in society and that in turn is going to make people more scared to be themselves and it's going to build up that repression around queer people so it's really dangerous and it would be like wonderful to see some like real full throated um kind of rebuttals of that but there is so much else going on in the world that this sort of just gets lost in the mix it's just i cannot comprehend what's going on over there putting someone in in our like in our position like over there like if no, we're I over there now no it's it, it, like I mean if, if, if you know you take things for granted here this, don't this you? radio show would not be allowed to exist absolutely in Russia not we'd be arrested straight off the bat many people would say that this radio show should not be allowed to exist in Ireland but I mean I think they're there for other reasons <laughs> they're probably right <laughs> <laughs> they're like not these two again not these two Jesus yeah, Christ yeah I know um, just on that right people who participate are finance what the government labels as an extremist organisation could face up to 12 years in prison um, those who display symbols of an extremist organisation which include pride flags could be ar- arrested for 15 mm. days and repeat offenders so just having a pride flag a load, a load just, of police just out just there having, running right? after now, rainbows I'm not saying it's just a piece of fabric right because it's yeah. not No, um, it represents so much more than that but just by having one of those and being a repeat offender of having a pride flag you could face up to four years in prison it's it just shocking, shocking. shocking. Um, from there but not as shocking as not this not as shocking as this look, <laughs> look James you and I both know it's widely accepted queers not only are we creative but we're hilarious <laughs> Absolutely, and not that not that it needed to be proven any further, but the right wingers have only gone and proven it again. Uh, from the Daily Wire, which is a conservative conservative outlet news outlet in America, comes a new movie called Lady Ballers. Uh, basically, it takes, I suppose, it makes light of of trans people taking part in sport. Now, if you don't, if you haven't seen the trailer, uh, don't bother watching it. But a quick <laughs> a quick synopsis is. A down in his luck, former high school basketball coach will do anything to win, which in this case means leading his team of men to don wigs and brutally dominate in multiple women's sports. I mean, the thing about it, like a couple of things that I've seen being being pointed out in this is, first of all, like actually, like this is incredibly offensive, but it's not actually offensive to the the trans community because it the people that it should actually be offending is people who are participating in women's sport because it really totally. belies the attitude that people take toward these people take towards women's sport some of the reviews because it, it's being review bombed yeah. with five star reviews Good. on many uh, on, with five oh. star reviews oh really some of the reviews said some of the scenes where faux women were utterly destroying real female athletes were very fem- feminine or were very funny the message is simple men are better at sports than women if men decide to take advantage of that fact it will be devastating to women's sports and almost incredibly bizarrely uh, I mean, what's next? Are we going to have a horse that identifies as a human doing the track events? So, I mean, come on. Like, come on. But I, I think that it is highlighting the regard with which these people hold women's sport and women in general. That's and it. This initially was supposedly going to be a documentary, but then they realised that you need to be on hormone replacement therapy for yeah. three years before you can actually participate in the sport. So they were like, okay, well, we'll just ignore the facts here and make what is sort of the worst remake of Dodgeball yeah. I have ever totally. seen. It, it, it makes this like, it, it makes this false idea or a claim, makes this claim that to enter a women's sport, you just need to have a wig and we know yeah. that's not the case. Look, there are many barriers which exist for trans athletes, including Absolutely. hormone testing, you know, um, you know, that time since they've come out and stuff like that. And as you say, it's not just against the trans community. It's mocking women athletes, feminists, indigenous people. There's a whole range of people who they've targeted whoever, in this ridiculous it's, it's Whoever movie. they want, every single person. Anyway, I, listen. I suggest it will never, ever um, take off 
they left all of the crumbs. Yeah, they left, every single crumb was left. Yeah, every exactly. single crumb was but that's, left. That, that's it. That's all we have for this week's <laughs> this week's rainbow roundup. What's coming up in the rest of the show, though? Well, coming up in the rest of today's show, we have a fantastic interview with one of the co-directors of How to Tell a Secret, Sean Dunn. And in Reeling in the Queers, we are heading back to the last coffee that this particular group of individuals had together. Okay, should we get some coffee? Sure. Where? (laughs) But before we get into that, here is one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time from the Queen Mother herself, RuPaul. It's Christmas Party on Curiosity. How to Tell a Secret is an Irish documentary film that dives into the lives of people who have faced the difficult challenge of revealing their HIV status in Ireland. Not only captures the personal journeys of HIV activists Robbie Lawler and Veda, it also sheds light on the resilience of Irish and migrant women who've been diagnosed with HIV. Shot beautifully with Dublin as its background, How to Tell a Secret won Best Documentary Film at the London Irish Film Festival, Best Documentary at the LGBT Plus Film Festival in Poland in 2023, and it's also been nominated for two IFTAs, and if you've seen it, you'll understand why. Here to tell us more about making the documentary and its Netflix debut is one half of the directorial team, Sean Dunn. Sean, welcome to Curiosity. How's it going? Thanks for having me. How does it feel to have all of your 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 glorious achievements <laughs> listed out there right in front of you? I love it. <laughs> it's, it's giving Wikipedia, Wikipedia pages. Yeah, yeah. Sitting there. <laughs> I know. Every day. If I could start every day with that little yeah, yeah. list, that Babe, little affirmation. So we'll send, we'll send you the link on Spotify. <laughs> please, please. And you can that. just play it in the morning. Uh, I suppose the first question is, around the idea behind how to, t- how to Tell a Secret. Where did that come from? And like, what prompted you, I suppose, to tell the story? Would you credit yourself with, with the idea? Or was it something that you, I suppose, uh, that came to you, or you came to be involved in? Um, so the film actually is based on a play that, and that was called Rapids. And that was a documentary theatre piece based on the experience and testimonies of people living with HIV. And we were looking at disclosure again. Um, so that original project, I suppose, was my idea. Mm. Um, and it was kind of inspired by a very specific experience I had with a previous partner mm-hmm. of mine who features in the documentary. Mm. No spoilers, it's Robbie <laughs> Lawler. Yeah. And, um, we all know, babe. So, yeah, so, well, me and Robbie had like a very specific experience around the time that he was diagnosed and we kept talking and he was obviously building his path as an activist for the community and I was building my arts practice and documentary theatre. So we decided to collaborate over time and then we did the show and it went very, very well and then we brought it back and we toured it and when we toured it, um, Anna and Zlata from Invisible Thread heard about it and they came to see it and then they approached me about an adaptation. So it's kind of had a few different lives over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think but, that comes through actually in the film and that kind of, you can get the sense of this as a, a, a tale being kind of told and retold with different bits added onto it, which I think really kind of mm-hmm. really adds to the, as when you're bringing it and you're experiencing it, you really feel that. Yeah, like that it's progressed over time. Yeah. Um, it explores the experience of, of living with HIV in Ireland today what for you like was there much re- did you have to do much, much research into the understanding of the current landscape and the specific challenges I suppose that are faced by people that are living with HIV in this country 
Yeah, I mean, I had to do a lot of research. Robbie was an amazing access point because he was doing a lot of peer support at the time. So when we were developing the theatre project, he connected me with everybody he was giving peer support to. Mm -hmm. So they allowed me to know who they were. We'd meet up, we'd have coffee, we'd have conversation. They'd kind of given me the lowdown from, you know, the migrant perspective, from the female perspective, from the mother Mm -hmm. perspective. So I was collating a lot of different information, testimony, lived experience. There was so much that I didn't know and there was so much that I felt people didn't know generally. When I was making the theatre project, you know, even though it was only like 2017, 2018, I think people really, really related it and they still do often was, you know, it's a it's a men's situation, mm. it's a gay mm-hmm. men yeah. situation. Yeah. And we were really excited as a theatre company to challenge that and to bring yeah. in other perspectives. Um, so finding out, you know, mm. how it affects women in Ireland, how, finding out how it affects women living in direct provision in Ireland, that was really, really exciting. And that kind of um, curiosity, I suppose, stayed with us as we were making the film later on in life then as well. Right. Yeah, the I suppose the, you, you've kind of mentioned or touched on this already, which is the world of kind of like arts and activism really go hand in hand because I think that there's nothing more effective in sort of changing perspectives than storytelling and activists can really use that through the artistic lens to kind of bring a new perspective. And, and exactly as you said, because you're 100% right that the perception of AIDS is that it is a gay male disease of the 1980s that it doesn't affect younger people now and it doesn't affect the people beyond that so you had great access to Robbie Lawler and then to, to Veda who who shared their own story kind of in that period around the time where the, the play came out and how much convincing did they need to get involved in this way to start telling and sharing the stories in that way or were they just very much like yeah whatever you want you mentioned um, our co-director Anna Rogers at the top mm. Anna actually had a previous relationship with Veda from another documentary that they had worked on together um, so there's a lot of deep history across yeah. all of the relationships <laughs> yeah. um, that make up how to tell a secret. I don't think anybody really needed a lot of convincing. Like for me, I probably needed a little bit of convincing at the start because like the project, the theatre project was hard and it was hard work and yeah. it took a lot out of me. <laughs> and then touring it was really, really difficult. And you're kind of like reopening, you're getting the band back together as well. Yeah. We're adapting <laughs> something. So yeah, we love we love a band getting back together. You love a reunion. Here, girls loud. <laughs> Um, but like you know I felt definitely a little bit of trepidation around just reopening a lot of relationships relationships with the cast with the contributors not because they weren't good relationships but because I know it takes a lot mm-hmm. um, and the film like putting it on camera is a completely different ask rather than like doing it in a live theatre space yeah. where there's a safety in the anonymity that's being yeah. offered by the theatre um, so no people didn't take uh, convincing but we definitely thought about it mm. yes. we definitely yeah. had a little bit of a think but like we all because we enjoyed working with each other the first time it was exciting yeah. because there was so much new energy with Invisible Thread and working with our DP and working with composers we didn't yeah. know and yeah. evolving the collaboration it was it was exciting to come out afresh yeah. there's a huge amount of rawness kind of w- within the the film kind of particularly I'm thinking of you know first of all I mean it explores sort of the lived experience of people back in the 80s when AIDS was new and when it was something that was so shocking and goes into the details around the the sort of advertisements that people were seeing and also then sort of shows that real rawness of the experience of people who are kind of getting that diagnosis. There's a particular scene where with the car being smashed up where the individual is kind of like that rage that comes from kind of having found out that someone that you sort of had a relationship with maybe had sort of done this to you in, in, in air quotes. Kind of mm-hmm. a lot of that must have been very shocking content to kind of deal with. I mean and and sort of to 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 get people to share that sort of to, to be so open to share it with you was there anything throughout it that kind of shocked you or that kind of you really were like taken aback when you heard particularly with the individuals sharing their stories 
I'm not really sure whether shock is the right word, but I definitely experienced lots of times where things would resonate with me and I would find certain things like very relatable. So like the anger, for yeah. example, like I think often, you know, people don't like to talk about their anger. Yeah. <laughs> and there can be like, a, I think sometimes particularly in an artistic representation, if you're working with like lived experience, people can be afraid to give you their anger and give yeah. you the ugly thing that happened that isn't part of the way we tell it now yes. that we've calmed yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. So I like like with that, you know, depiction, obviously the car is symbolic in the film. It's not, he didn't actually smash a car up. Yeah. But mm. I was really excited to represent that rage because I feel yeah. like it's a relatable rage that people can imagine when they put themselves in the position of experience and the disclosure. Yeah. Um, and it is like we know from, we know from, Word of mouth. We know yeah, lots yeah. of people who've reacted badly to that kind of information before. So um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, but... No, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I yeah. hear you. And it's actually yeah. just what you think. Because I mean, certainly I have reacted with anger appropriately in situations. And then after the fact, even though it was an appropriate reaction to the situation, have felt so ashamed so, yeah, of myself. Totally. So it's a really relatable thing of that, like shame that comes with like, you know, anger and that and wanting to hide it out of you and be like disassociated from your yourself. For yeah. sure. And, there, and with that particular thread, like, like let's call it the anger thread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that contributor, you know... You know, they responded quite angrily when they were told what was happening. And then later in their story, they also receive anger. So yeah. like, there's a nice kind of mirroring in how those yeah. stories are yeah. experienced by the audience, I think. And, you know, anger is anger can be useful. Yeah, it can. <laughs> um, yeah. You anger know, and spice can be some of the best motivators. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, there's like, obviously, the anger is, is very dominant in those scenes. But it's also we, we, we lean towards the healing that yeah, comes after their yeah. age and after. And you can moment. see that in it. I suppose, like so much is being done with within the community to end the stigma that surrounds HIV. Um, like look, just look at Ravi and, and Veda and Pause Vibes the podcast, and you know we do actually see a lot of this. It's it's people within the community that are doing this to to end the stigma, but in a society where stigma still persists, how important was it for you that the stories were portrayed uh, accurately but also sensitively? So I wasn't that worried about it because we knew from the top that like um, Veda and Robbie and some of the other contributors that you'll meet if you watch mm. the film, um, we knew they were going to do a little bit of self-representation this time. So mm. it wasn't going to be all kind of artistic and theatricalized and abstracted. Um, yeah. So I wasn't so worried about it feeling authentic because I knew that would happen by proxy of them being there and them being the realest thing yeah. on the scene. So, no, I get <laughs> um, that. Yeah. But... For me, in terms of the kind of more poetic representations or the abstractions that are in the piece, I like, I don't know. I think every artist is just trying to kind of like distill an energy into something. Yeah. And, you know, because say, for example, in the film, we play a lot with like who's telling what story. So sometimes like there's an, an, instance, an instance in the film where we give Robbie's story to a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's made me not the most authentic no, thing to do. I, but th- it, I thought that was really interesting, actually, that you did that. Was that like an artistic, like... Yeah, it was a choice of like yeah. making people read the story differently and also yeah. knowing that Robbie... And obviously a big metaphor in the film is how like stories pass from people the same way yeah. viruses pass through yeah. people. And um, I was interested in just... The fact that if we if we gave Eva Jane that story to tell, people would immediately read it differently. And yeah. so sometimes being authentic wasn't the most important yeah. thing. We yeah, were I think, in I think that was really well. interesting. Actually, from 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 that point of view, it was like you could see that the experience that Robbie was having is interchangeable. That it could be a woman, and and, yeah, like, and I mean, mm-hmm. telling that story through him was very interesting. Um, on that note, right, was conveying the experiences of 
people who shared their stories like to a broader audience who mightn't who might have a certain attitude towards HIV still well like was that concerning so like did you find that difficult that you know you knew that there was going to be people that watched this documentary that have this certain idea that it might be you know a, a particular kind of disease that only affects a certain amount of people like how did you how did you deal with that yeah I, I mean definitely if you're working in a documentary at all you always kind of have a concern for your contributor you always want to make sure that they're represented well and that you know they're making a choice that's good for them so yeah. there's lots of people that I was working with say on Rapids that I didn't bring into the film fold because yeah. I was like okay maybe they not right too now vulnerable, yeah. yeah you know and like because it is scary being on camera and it is scary people knowing your business and totally you know it, it's something that you have to really sit with and think about but with the people that we worked with I knew that there was a way for them to do it that was on their own terms mm. and that they were comfortable and safe in so I didn't really have that concern too much but it is something that crosses your mind 100% you want everybody to feel safe and to well, be happy with what they've done at yeah, the end of, of course, the day of course Thank you so much for coming in to chat to us. It was really, like, Thanks, really interesting. And after watching the the documentary, I was really excited to get a chance to talk to you a bit mm. about it and where, where it all came from. Um, so I can't wait to see what comes next. Where can people go and find you to have a look at what you're doing? And um, again, tell us about Netflix, you know? Um, yeah, so you can watch the film on Netflix. <laughs> and if you want to hear about my other work, probably the best place to go to is my Instagram. That's Sean Dunagram. And Brilliant. it's spelled S H A U N. Done a gram. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much. I will so link much. you up and all thank that kind of stuff so, so people will be able to find Joy. Happy John. days. Thanks thank so you. much. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Still to come, James is firing up his beloved time machine for reading in the queers this week, and we are chatting to Miss Taken and Miss Roots about the big gay Christmas quiz that's happening in the Bernard Shaw on the fifteenth of December. But first, we've got some more Christmas bells for you. It's share with DJ Play a Christmas song on Curiosity. Coming up on Saturday, December 15th in Drum Conjure's Bernard Shaw, Dublin's drag queen duo Miss Taken and Miss Roots alongside Sissy.Pod's Keen Sullivan will be hosting the Big Gay Christmas Quiz to raise funds for LGBT Ireland. Joining us now to chat about what you can expect from the night of laughter, performances and a festive cheer and the regular weekend brunch are Miss Taken and Miss Roots. Ah, Hello. thanks for coming in and chatting to us. us. That was gorgeous. That was. Look, it was really we gorgeous. want to make sure our guests feel cherished. Yeah. Do you feel are cherished? you by any chance free on the eve? <laughs> Of next Friday, Absolutely, we'll clip this up and send it on to you to stick into to stick in as your, just, your ringtone. I'm just thinking that the two V and Kian is like the yeah. trouble of dreams. Absolutely, yeah. I love Absolutely. So this is our second time doing it with Keen or this will be our second time doing it with Keen And this time around, he was la- so last time he was like the quiz master, and he's absolutely fantastic at it. Mm-hmm. And this time he was like, "Do you just want to do any of that?" And I was like, "No." no. <laughs> But that's like he's made, he's, That's what he's made for He is yeah, made absolutely. for that kind of like You know Organisation yeah. All the making sure things are done on yeah. time Making sure people are there on yeah. time That's grand I just have to show up and have a drink <laughs> yeah. Get drunk and walk around like an adjudicator At the leaving cert To be like that's wrong That's wrong I But act, I mean actually So where did that, that collaboration with uh, With Keen and Sissy.Pod come from? And also what can people expect on the night? Um, well I think the, the actual collaboration itself Started when we done Well when I done um, Dublin Fringe 
Yes. Um, with oh, yourself yes. and yeah, with yeah, him yeah. and then we kind of were talking back and forth and then I done an episode of Sissy That Pod and then we kind of just were talking about like what could we kind of do as a fundraiser mm. we wanted to do kind of a big kind of fundraiser quiz style event yeah. anyway um, and quizzes and Keen go hand in hand absolutely yeah. um, Mr. Details we wanted to do it and we didn't want to do the background yeah. work on <laughs> we it. wanted to do it but yeah. we didn't want uh, to yeah. organise it yeah. we wanted it to happen I've got a particular yeah. talent yeah. for that show up and look pretty and have a laugh yeah Exactly. You know, while yourself. raising money for a great yeah. cause. Exactly. I, do, I do have to say that your Mrs. Brain in Clankety Clank was a masterclass. <laughs> like <laughs> Jinx Monsoon, Ben de la mistaken. Like it is was absolute perfection. What can people expect from the night itself? Well, so from the night itself, we were really kind of changing the format of what we were kind of done at Pride. So we done the big gay quiz at Pride, and we kind of just done it as like a table quiz, a yeah. general pub quiz. This time we're gonna put a good spin on it, we're gonna have a whole Christmas festive vibe. Um and we're also going to have a little bit more fun with it because quizzes can be daunting, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, they can. So we're going to have... Them. I hate yeah. them. Do you? Yeah. Why do you hate them? Because I always lose. But babe. this is the thing, right? <laughs> I find with a quiz, and we do a lot of them, that you kind of have to have a good first round and then it kind of stays the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah. So this time... I, me and you were kind of adamant and Keen agreed we were like I want to cause drama we want <laughs> so, we want tables fighting between each other we want friend groups divided not coming so together this we way. basically this. wanted it that it meant nothing it has nothing to do with actual brain power because yeah. we're going to introduce a few like little um, objectives and kind of ways um, to get bonus points let's just say yeah a few I little tasks I love it yeah. so it's not just about brainiacs out there who know every single detail of Mariah Carey's career no. up until this point it's going to be yeah people like you know they're in the lead after like round three yeah, and then they yeah. kind of stay in the lead and you can kind of predict who's going to win that's not going to be the case for this mm-hmm. quiz because there's going to be chances for for to really turn it around yeah. midway through that sounds so exciting it does yeah. I have to ask so you guys I think as you do camp at better than any of the, the Dublin drag queens well, like, like, you. You, you, you are such excellent I've loved going to your, your your brunches in the Bernard Shaw you were so good some of your performances are just so so fun kind of, will you be bringing that sort of camp performance side of thing into, into and is there anything that you can of tease yeah. of course it's like we can't really get together and do an event and not do something like that yeah. um, and we have like our, our classic numbers that we're going to be doing there's going to be a little bit of Christmas in there as well um, but yeah, of course there'll be elements of camp. It's yes. Oh, we love it. We love yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> you mentioned it's a charity event, so you're mm-hmm. obviously raising vital funds for it's LGBT Ireland. LGBT yes. Ireland. Why, yeah. why? Why LGBT Ireland? What made you choose them? Um, when we originally chose um, the charity that we wanted to raise money for at Pride, we were kind of thinking like, you know, we want to give it to a charity that can make a real impactful dif- difference to to. I suppose a wide range of people like there's amazing charities out there that yeah. target specific groups but we want to make sure that we can kind of spread that as wide as we mm-hmm. can and with the Pride event we kind of were like let's do it with LGBT Ireland let's kind of roll with it and see how it goes and then when we we raised over a thousand euro we were kind of like That's oh okay amazing. this can make a really big difference yeah. I think as well in December in specific and I'm going to say this almost as if it's a bad thing it's not but because of World AIDS Day, HIV Ireland gets such a big yeah. outpouring yeah. of love. Yeah. And we do, we do, we work in corporate spheres where we kind of, we literally just came from an event where we had Robbie Lawler and Veda in yeah. talking. Um, so we kind of wanted to say, okay, well, we'll give it to LGBT Ireland because, you know. Yeah. Share the wealth. Exactly. exactly. I love that. It's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Great idea. I mean, we're zooming to the end of our like whistle stop tour of the, <laughs> really, you drove all this way for, for this, for, for <laughs> this. this. Uh, for this but so like how can people book what can people expect on the night do people come wearing their Christmas jumpers do you want festive dressing up absolutely like I said there's going to be chances for bonus points 
no matter what. And in, in fairness, it's going to be Quizmaster's decision who gets the bonus okay, points. Okay. So maybe there'll be bonus points for most festive dressed. Maybe there'll be bonus points for the most person to drink the most Prosecco. Who knows? <laughs> um, we'll see what, we'll see what way it turns out. Yeah. There you go. So you might actually win the quiz. Okay, this could go, be a quiz okay, for you. Yeah. <laughs> We've also kind of set aside in our mind, like... I think quizzes can be very rigid and regimented as well. So we're kind of, we have it a slight little kind of inkling towards maybe we'll see what happens on the night and maybe we'll just give ad hoc points. Where, like yeah, go yeah. with the flow. It's camp. Camp is all about living yeah. in the moment, <laughs> yeah. letting it happen, letting disasters yeah. literally happen. Before before we finish up, we have to go now in a second. Can you if, you, if people have enjoyed listening to you, they can also listen to you on your own podcast. So tell yes. us about that and where can people go and find you and details about the quiz. Yes, our so, podcast is called That's Gossip. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we're actually a real life couple, myself and Miss Roots. And um, when we started the podcast, we kind of wanted a way to talk about things, I suppose, outside of drag, mm-hmm. what our life is like outside of drag and how chaotic it is because we've been doing drag for eight years now at this stage and like that we have the brunches and all that kind of stuff but there's only a very limited amount of kind of topics that you can talk about when you're coming in to try and lift up you know a room and I think we balance it quite well where we are able to talk about kind of the like we do mention our brunch you might remember that we kind of give our slight speech and stuff like that about minority groups but there's only so much that you can do without, you know, dampening it. Plus, you're still doing a show where you're like, I have 90 minutes, so I can't really take yeah. away. Yeah. I have to get through, yeah. like, performances, games, you know, yeah. all the kind of stuff. Um, So the podcast kind of was a way to talk, take the vein of talking about serious things, but we're still doing it in a fairly yeah. camp because way. Because a camp spin kind of goes on everything we do. Plus, Love it. we've yeah. already monetized our relationship in drag, so we wanted to <laughs> yeah. monetize our relationship out of drag know, as well. We all know gays love a microphone. Absolutely. Gays love a microphone. <laughs> Why do you think we drove? Why do you think we're here? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Dead right. Make sure these microphones are nailed down. <laughs> uh, and people can go and follow you guys on Instagram, and yes. you're, you can give your handles. Yes, I am at I am mistaken. Mine is just Miss Roots. I don't need any I am. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Everyone knows who you are. Yeah. Best of luck with it. Thank you so much night. for coming in. Thanks for Thanks having us. So Well, here we are. Here we are. That hot tub time machine. We, oh my, just <laughs> we made it. <laughs> I mean, th- this is quick becoming a- an obsession for the people of Dublin. No, Where are we going to be? I know. Tell us. Tell no, us. Nobody ever knows. Um, I love it again. It's your week. And like, like we're, we're what, listening to the team tune then. And I was just packing up my bits. I was like, exactly, I'm done. It. Yeah, putting on your out of office here. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Yeah, exactly. It's all down to you now. Well, look, where are we going this week? Have you picked up on any of the clues? I did. So I was thinking about it there. And I was like, I wasn't a huge Friends fan, actually, right? Mm-hmm. But I was an X Factor Fan, like fandom. So I think I think the first one was 2004. That is absolutely correct. And look, before we get into the kind of big stories, like X Factor obviously started. It's like it, it got its it's got its grip on the neck of the nation. Yeah, in 2004 it did. Didn't it? Did not it? Let go. So that inaugural series was uh, the judges were Simon, Sharon, and Louis, and it was hosted by Kate Thornton. Yes, I who remember. I I I have no I I just an invisible human in my yeah, mind. I have we no, haven't no seen her since. Uh, no, we haven't yeah, seen it. Much dirt. like we haven't seen the winner, uh, yeah. Steve Brookstein, Steve Brookstein who, yeah. who romped home to success with his single Against All Odds and then against pretty much every odds that yeah. uh, would have been expected, he vanished off into obscurity. But it was the beginning of what was going to be a, a meteoric rise to fame he, for, he, for X Factor. Oh my God, what a phenomenon that became. Oh, that, became. that, became. Here, that The Danny Minogue, Cheryl era, that is like, that's the golden era. Do you know, 
obviously, and I know, I'm not bringing it up for the 10th week in a row, but with girls now coming back, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you see all these things of Cheryl coming back up. The, 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 the power... And the influence that that woman had Has over on, on us back in in the I suppose late noughties. I know was insane. She was without a doubt the people's princess. She really was. But this isn't Cheryl holding oh. in the queers. Um, we get a special in. We get a <laughs> we get a special up in for her. Yeah, I heard she's in for an interview. Actually, oh, she's booked. She better be booked in. She better be booked in. Uh, but no. So going back to 2004, uh, we have our big Irish queer story. Wise the. Uh, Catherine Zappone and Anne Louise Gilligan were a couple uh, who married in Canada in 2003 mm. and they moved so uh, Catherine Zappone was Canadian and uh, Anne Louise is Irish and they were married in Canada and they moved back to Ireland in 2004 and decided that they wanted to challenge the interpretation of Irish law that prevented the recognition of the of, of, of uh, same-sex marriages mm. within within the state and so 2004 was when legal proceedings began in that Zappone and Gilligan uh, were taking a case specifically against a revenue commissioner to say that it was unfair that they couldn't benefit in the same way that heterosexual couples okay. could benefit from the sort of tax benefits of being in a like long-term monogamous mm. relationship in that in that sort of way. And so it was, I suppose, the beginning of one of a number of threads that would kind of like ultimately lead to where we got yeah. to in 2015. And the two of them became absolutely so important in that movement and in that totally. in that sort of movement towards towards marriage equality. So really, became, really became like... Um, emblematic of it, the whole totally, thing. Totally, and, and household names, actually. What are we saying? Catherine became a senator. Yeah, she, yeah. that's right. She, she became she she became a senator and a TD and then went on to be the Minister for, for Children and Equality for, yes. for, for a period of time. Yeah. Um, and sadly, Anne-Louise Gilligan, Anne mm. Louise Gilligan passed away um, mm. a number of years ago. And I think there was a number of like very touching kind of documentaries. People talked about the, the, like, the love and the union that they had. And it's sort of, it's, so, it's great that they got to have their relationship recognised for the sort of the beautiful relationship yeah. that it was and also that they were able to I suppose contribute in such a meaningful way to having all queer people in yeah. Ireland have their, their, um, an their incredible their, legacy for that yeah, an incredible there. legacy because as like as we were, were talking about with Sean Dunn stories are really a way of changing people's perspectives and changing people's mm. view on things and sort of people like Catherine and Anne-Louise coming forward to share their story and their relationship was what started to shift the, the public opinion around mm. um, uh, around uh, the, the, the issues of, of same-sex marriage so that was really the biggest I suppose that was the, the beginning 2004 was the beginning of um of that year and it was a beautiful amazing yeah. year where we get to celebrate the role that women have in our society moving over to America the oh, biggest Christ. story that I could pull out from 2004 and this is something that I don't even know if you're going to to have any um, yeah. kind of recollection of but Super Bowl 38 took place on February 1st 2004 with the New England Patriots facing the Carolina Panthers and do you have any idea why I would be bringing this up did something happen at the halftime show? Something did happen at the halftime show. Was it Justin show. Timberlake and Janet Jackson? It was Justin yeah. Timberlake and Janet Jackson. You won't Jackson. believe this. I've only had this conversation <laughs> about him and that situation today. Well, thanks to, I think, like a, 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 a litany, the, the, the Britney Spears kind of uh, yeah. situation coming back up. A lot of people have gone back to have a look at this and how it played out. But it was 
the biggest story in the world for, I would say, a month. So the incident was was later referred to as Nipplegate and sparked immediate controversy. The Federal Communications Commission received numerous complaints and, and fined the Super, our CBS, the network that were airing the Super Bowl for up to half a million dollars. But the penalties were actually overturned later in court. But I mean, they're so silly. The, we all have them, like... Oh, here, I know. But look, the the reality is, though, the, the main person mm. who sort of suffered at the heart of this was, uh, was Janet, Janet Jackson. Jackson. She got so, an awful rap over. Yeah, so she just some of the, some of the so some of what of what what ended up happening because her 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 music was banned from a number of radio stations. Uh, the CEO of Viacom ordered that Janet Jackson singles and music videos be blacklisted from all its properties, including CBS, MTV, and its radio stations. Uh, she had been cast to play Lena Horne in a movie about the singer, but she was uh, she was fired from that. Oh my god! Uh, this a statue of her of Mickey Mouse wearing her iconic Rhythm Nation outfit was removed from Disneyland. Her album wasn't then uh, commercially successful as a result of not being kind of you know promoted to the same extent and she was disinvited from the 2004 Grammys which took place a week after the Super Bowl Justin Timberlake was not disinvited but, and got to actually present an award at it but just to note there James he revealed her nipple am I right? he did he, he, he actually pulled, pulled the, the, the but I want to say tassel but it's not in the, tassel <laughs> the but, cover he down. did. He did. Like, and but, I know now, like it's just a bit of skin, but like at the same time, no, I it know. was his fault actually. The, yeah. So, but also the, the 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 federal communications people came out later, like a couple mm. of years later, to say, look, this is all blown over world or blown out of proportion. But now, of the things that I suppose we can say, like this was the most tragic uh, sort of consequence was that Soap Opera Central has speculated that the fallout from this incident may have had a subtle effect on daytime television prior to Nipplegate soaps often featured rear male nudity. But after this time, there was a crackdown on inappropriate sexual content and mere, and, and male damn. rear nudity was removed from our screens. Damn you, Justin Timberlake. I know, damn you, Justin Timberlake. But anyway, before we, we finish up with this, there's a couple of different uh, little bits and pieces that we have to, 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 to register with. First of all, 2004, big news here, the smoking pan came into effect. Oh, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was going to be the... a hated man that year, oh, didn't he? Oh, he really was. But it was, it was like, it was going to destroy our tourist industry. It was going to literally level us yeah. to the ground. Uh, and a couple of British tourists had this to say about the the impact it was going to have on their <laughs> willingness to visit our nation. I'd come back to Ireland, but we'd stay over the border where we've got freedom of choice to have a cigarette. The holiday is going to be spoiled, isn't it? And you have to go and hide and have a fag. It's crazy. Did not it is crazy. Barlow. <laughs> not Deirdre Barlow. Not Deirdre Barlow. I love a fag instead. <laughs> I love it. And also, like iconic product launches in 2004, Mark Zuckerberg launched uh, Facebook, um, and the word of the year was blog. Uh, but of course, Jessica Simpson always went out for the hustle. Launched her iconic dessert-themed edible toiletries brand, <laughs> Dessert Beauty Inc., including products such as butterscotch toffee body wash, powdered sugar, deliciously kissable body <laughs> shimmer, whipped body cream, and candy sprinkles. It had to be taken off the shelves after a number of people started having uh, experiencing thrush. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and yeast infections. But what were they um, doing? Were you meant to eat it? No, it was, it, was, it, it was meant to be sort of you know it was meant to be able to be both used as a toiletry and also as like, an I edible mean, delight. I mean, there's some things that just don't you don't need a crossover, and one of those would be those things. No, absolutely. Like her marriage with uh, Nicholas. And was, after we've heard about the body wash, the last thing of significance that happened was Edward Mun- Edgar Edward Munch's "The Scream," the iconic photo, or, yeah. picture, was was stolen when a. This is my favorite phrasing of this. Spirited away by bandits who stormed the Norwegian museum, and it wasn't recovered until two years later. But that 
that brings us to the end of 2004. I hope you feel like you've had an education. Always, James. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what I do without you. My mind is expanding by the, I, by the I, week. <laughs> this is what I want. I'm educating the children. I'm feeding the children. <laughs> and I am said child. <laughs> but anyway, before we get into the hottest topic in town, what's the mystery pop of the year? It's time for us to say our goodbyes. Yeah, I hate this part of the show. <laughs> You're just you're just stepping up where you're I stepping know. up to the plate. It's brave what you do every week coming in here and being wrong. It is. <laughs> I'm never wrong, babe. I just like to feed your ego, make you feel like you're right. <laughs> but yes, we are about to get into what is I, I think fast becoming an obsession for the entire city. They're obsessed, they're obsessed like people, people can't people cannot literally cannot get enough of us and our, and our yeah. song guessing uh, we're going to be getting to the bop of the year in a couple of minutes but we just wanted to stop right now and say a thank you very much heartfelt goodbye and a thank you very much I thought you were going to quote Spice Girls there <laughs> stop right now thank you very stop much stop right now thank you very much <laughs> we need some listeners with a human touch yeah. so please Anyone, feel free to get in touch with the show will do. <laughs> oh my god Dude, that's so slick uh, this is why I'm in this chair you know this you're learning so much from me <laughs> But of course, I have been James O'Hagan and you are more than welcome to come over and visit me on my Instagram, which is James at James O underscore Hagen. I'll remember it someday. <laughs> someday. They'll find you anyway, no doubt. Yeah, that's it. They're all, all overlooking at your news from the holiday a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. I'm Podrick Wilson McCarthy and my handle is Podrick underscore WMC all over the place. So wherever you want to find me. And you can email us on curiosity at dublincityfm.ie or you can have a look at our dedicated Instagram page, Curiosity Radio on Instagram. And remember, you if you or anyone you know needs support, the National LGBT Helpline is here to listen in confidence and without judgment seven days a week on 1800 99539. All that remains now is for me to bamboozle you with yeah. my bop of the year. Well, finally, it's the year that I was alive for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I've been waiting for. I feel like I, I'm going to say this. I think I've made this easy. Okay. Well, it's about time as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that is Actually, true. people have spoken to me about you when they say you're really nasty. <laughs> How many jokes? Oh my god, I I would not be one bit surprised. I can't believe that it's your week again. I feel like it was I'm only just recovering from the trauma, the last one. I mean, you know, to be fair, when we repeated the lyrics, anyway. I know, I know, I know. Okay. So first clue, here we go. The live performance of this song was so energetic that during rehearsals, the artist and their dancers broke the video screens that made up the stage floor. Okay, no. Okay. Clue number two. The leather outfit chosen for the performance was inspired by Xena Warrior Princess. Dirty by which Christina was, Aguilera. Which was in turn inspired by the ethnic traditions of the performer's home country. Um, Whenever, Wherever by Shakira. Oh, no. God, no, Is no. Is it a Shakira song? No. Okay. Oh, I okay. was so certain. I had, oh I had so much I had hope. There? I, I thought you would have it there. Okay, so. This song has the distinction of becoming the first song to win a particular music award sung at least partly in a language other than English since a rule change that took place in 1999. Is it Ruslana? Yes, it is! Oh my god! This is the first time I've got it right. Unabridged joy! I have not seen. <laughs> he's out of his chair. He's running around. He's putting his top over his head. Oh my god! Playing us out today. It. it is, of course, the winner of Eurovision 2004 in Istanbul, Ruslana, with the iconic Wild Dances. 